Welcome to Know My Faith. My guest is my very good friend, Brent Chambers. Brent, great to have you with us. Thanks, mate. And very glad you brought your guitar. Good, yes. Good. So we are exploring, amongst other things, um, how Gentile Christians came to have an understanding of where we stand with Israel and, and the Jews and all of that sort of stuff. So, And I know that you've written uh, Hebrew songs, you've spent time in Israel, so uh, we just want to explore that, if that works with you. The first one, yes. second one, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> haven't made it to Israel yet. Next, oh, you haven't? Next year, maybe. Next oh, year I thought you had. No, I wish. Oh, in wow. 1975, I had two choices, go to Israel or go to university. And when the money didn't come in, I went to university. Right. You didn't step out in faith and board that plane. No, I was going to be heading for Australia to go with a Jewish group from Melbourne. Yep. And um, no, the money didn't turn up. So uh, I went to uni instead. Oh, dear. And did Hebrew. Why did I get that? Oh, one of your songs was sung on the shores of Tel Aviv. Oh, that was group. What was Be that Exalted, one? O God. Be Exalted, oh, O God. That's the best version. They yeah. nailed it. I want to do it like that. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you for doing my song properly. <laughs> um, let's rewind to Little Brent Chambers growing up where? Napier. Napier. First 24 years in Napier, but I grew up in Auckland. Okay. <laughs> so Christian upbringing, non-Christian upbringing? Uh, Non-Christian upbringing. Okay. So what happened? What happened? Uh, I was in a rock band. We were practicing. Bunch of girls started coming along to the practices. I noticed one of them, found out later she was my, my mother's best friend's daughter and uh, who invited us back to her place. And after a while, I sort of got a bit infatuated with her. And uh, when she realised she had power over me, she invited me along to a Youth for Christ meeting. And uh, Ian Grant was the speaker. Yep. Never heard a word he said. Sitting next to the prettiest girl in the room, and I'm, I'm in my happy place. Could have been a seance. And, um, but at the end of it all, he just said, anybody here tonight who wants to know Jesus for real, look up. And without permission, my head just went straight up, and I couldn't get it down again fast enough. And, yep, see you. Yeah, I see you. And next thing you know, my legs knew what to do, and I turned to the girl, and I said, I've got to go, and I'm out the front. Yeah, and you seriously, you weren't taking notice of the message at all? I haven't got a clue what he said. We laugh about it now. He's, yeah. Ian and I are good friends, and um, I'm, I'm ever grateful that he just turned up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that was it. Just got, that, that God just grabbed you. Yeah, I never felt a thing. There's guy, people around me crying. I thought, what's the matter with them? Yeah. And then I was arguing. I took an immediate dislike to the guy who was trying to counsel me. So there's a noise in my corner. Yeah. And then this guy who looked like Father Christmas without whiskers started heading towards us, and I thought, oh, trouble, big trouble. Sure enough, Brent, Brent, ah, oh, okay. Brent, tell me, um, do you think God spoke to you tonight? And this is my mouth is going to betray me with four questions. Because yeah, your feet have already betrayed you. Yeah, my feet have betrayed me, brain not connected to anything. And uh, Brent, do you think God was speaking to you tonight? I said, yes. Um, do you believe that Jesus is the Son of God and he died for your sins and rose from the dead so that you could have eternal life. And I didn't have a clue what that meant, but I just said yes anyway. I was because on a roll saying yes. Yeah. And then he said, is there any reason why you shouldn't ask Jesus to be your Lord and Saviour tonight? I said, no. I'm hanging myself, you know, question by question. And then the fourth one, would you like to follow me in a prayer of repentance or would you like to pray your own prayer? And I said, oh, I'll pray my own prayer, thank you. I got some power back, you know. Right. And I heard myself apologise to God for the life I'd been leading and thanking him for Jesus and stuff. 
and uh, my friends were still waiting for me yeah. outside an hour after I'd so gone some, in there. So something inside Brent must have been listening. Oh, my spirit would have been saying, help, you know, for years. <laughs> yeah. Did you have any, when you were growing up, did you have any understanding of, of Christianity? Because, I mean, when I ask people today, and I do it all the time, you know, if I, I travel over to Hamilton two days a week where we do most of these podcasts, and I'm really looking forward to hitchhikers on the way back. Right. And, and I say, look, what do, you, uh, you know, what do you understand about Christianity? What do Christians believe? And they go, well, you've got God and Jesus. <laughs> and I'm going, okay, what about Easter and the cross? They Christmas. Go, oh, yeah, Jesus died. And that's their whole understanding of Christianity. So for you before this, did you have any understanding of Christianity? When I was in the primers at primary school, um, I didn't know that uh, somebody opened an account in my name, um, an eternal life account. Right. And they started putting things in it. So this amazing Bible teacher, this elderly lady, she was such fun. This is Bible in schools. Bible in schools. Yeah. She was such fun. My dad was a taxi driver, and he'd bring her to and from the school. Okay. And so that was cool. But she just turned it into fun. We got Bible. We got Jesus. We got these songs I hated those songs. I couldn't get them out of my head. I'd be going around my grandmother's third of an acre property singing these songs about Jesus loves the little children and I've got a loving saviour, Jesus, and stuff like that. And I couldn't get rid of them. And I didn't know it was money in the bank. And then at high school um, later on, um, we had a principal who read a gospel message every morning out of the Bible and we sang hymns, among other songs, and that's Money in the Bank. I hated those songs. I couldn't get rid of them, but they're going in. So when I became a believer and a Christ follower, there was Money in the Bank. It was already there. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm yeah. grateful. What about the music? Was the music there beforehand? Or was it those Bible and school songs that prompted Brent Chambers, the worship songwriter? <laughs> they told me I was singing before I could speak. Right. Uh, it was music in our house. Dad loved music. Yeah. Dad would bring home a 78 Anybody out there know what a 78 is? Every week. And we would love Dad's music. Yeah. Just, and we did. Um, my, uh, his sister, his only sister, was a professional singer all her life. I loved her voice. It was like an angel, not overtrained. And she sang at our wedding. But, um, so Dad made sure there was music in the yeah. house. And so I would, we were three miles from school, Shingle Roads, to Tiawa School in Napier. And three miles is about half a dozen songs. Yeah. And I'd slow down sometimes so I could finish the last song. So you're as bad as me. I mean, uh, I used to work at uh, Radio Central in Alexandra. Alexandra. We used to, um, the the station used to have meals at uh, Oliver's and Clyde. And if you ask me how far Oliver's is from the radio station in Alexandra, I will tell you that it is Heroes by David Bowie. That's the link. That's how it works. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 um, and that August Rush movie is is a little bit wrong because it's not just music that runs around in your head, is it? It's songs. That's right. Well, I'm on my rowing machine, and it's three songs per kilometre. Yeah. <laughs> I'm glad I have I have a brother somewhere. That's great. Um, so let's go from from this Youth for Christ meeting with Ian Grant mm. uh, and the songs in Brent Chambers. Uh, there are several of your songs that people sing that they don't know are Brent Chambers songs. They should look at the top of the page. It says Brent Chambers. Yeah, so take us from, from Youth for Christ and, and, okay. and that prayer to writing these worship songs for Scripture and song. Well, very briefly, um, 
when I became a Christian, uh, I was still full of all the music uh, and mainly rock music, British and mainly British stuff, Beatles and so on. And um, I didn't realise that uh, becoming a Christ follower, I was getting on a roller coaster and I was trying to fit Jesus into my life. And it took two years to realise that was impossible. And then I had a pretty uh, dynamic encounter with God, the Holy Spirit. And basically, Jesus said to me through that encounter, Brent, hey, you know that you can't fit me into your life. Why don't you, so, why don't you come into my life? When you say my life, you mean your lifestyle? My lifestyle. Yeah. What I, I was trying to be a Christian, but I kept going forward at altar calls because I, I was dirty. I, I, I couldn't get free of stuff and everything. And I thought, is this it? The roller coaster up and down, up and down. Yeah. Brave smile. And then when the Holy Spirit hammered me, basically, and I, and I gave unto God big time, um, first of all, he said, I, I said, um, after coming back from a camp, um, why is it so blimmin' hard? Why is it so blimmin' hard? Those are my words. And God waits for me to ask questions. Mm-hmm. And that was the first big question. He says, ah, it's your music. It's killing you. What are you going to do about it? And that was the turning point for songwriting. I'd written a song, one song. Well, like one Christian song. Like one Christian song right. called It's Not Easy. And there was nothing easy about that song. Every chord I knew, and people would say, oh, you're not going to sing that again, are you? Uh, you yeah. know, and, uh, and so on. Oh, no, Brent's bought his guitar. Oh. After, after, I, after the Holy Spirit showed me what it was all about, um, I started reading the Bible from cover to cover. And, of course, I spent a long time in the Psalms because yeah. suddenly I'm in my happy place. But I wrote songs from Genesis 1 uh, right on through. All the way through. Did you, you didn't have to give up your music? Oh no! Because God did God that did that to me. I was I was I was trying to pray. I was in Sydney, and it was uh, where the flat I was in. It was like beside a four lane highway, and it was almost like every fourth car was a truck, and they were regular. So it was like vroom 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 vroom. vroom, vroom, vroom. Yeah, and then there's this. It was it was a dark and stormy night. Snoopy would have loved it. Uh, there was the the rain and the wind was going through the power wires, so that was starting to sing, and there was a branch slapping on the window. And, um, oh, and I had to say, rabbit. yeah, I said, Lord, if my music's getting between you and me, make me deaf. Now, you'd be the same as me. I'd rather be blind for the rest of my life than be deaf. That's right. Absolutely. And, and God said, I've been waiting 26 years to hear you say that. And he took it. And then he immediately gave it back in spades. But that obviously didn't happen with you. He just... What happened to me was coming back from the camp and asking the question and God saying, it's your music, it's killing you. What are you going to do about it? So I immediately thought, well, uh, I've got this pile of LPs. Yep. And I, I'm black and white. I'm a Christian. I'm a Baptist. And right. I'm black and white already. It's very simple. Goats to the left and sheep to the right. Right. Pile of goats and a handful of sheep. And uh, the handful of sheep are interesting. Peter, Paul and Mary. Yep. The Seekers. Cliff Richard. So this, this is the rock musician. <laughs> this is stuff. And I can't believe you even had Peter Paul and, and Mary. Jim Reeves singing Jim We Reeves. Thank Thee. And, oh, and um, Joe Stafford and Gordon McRae singing Whispering Hope. Yep. That's the little pile here. And there's this great big pile here. What do I do now? Yes. So I took them down to the orchard and I got my air rifle and I used them for target practice. I shot, shot them full of holes, and I found that if I reversed the pallet, it would make a bigger hole. Okay, excellent. And my sister ran out of the house and said, what are you doing? And she managed to save some Beatles albums. Right. 
but not Sergeant Pepper. Sergeant Pepper got peppered, but um, but here's the thing: um, God was delivering me. Yeah. From the so he, tyranny of music. He, he took your music in a different way. The, he took the, the it in a different yeah. way, and I had to. I destroyed what I was living in, and uh, it was like a weight went off my shoulders. The songs just started coming out of me, sometimes three a day. I'm biking to work, and I've got this song. During the course of the day and work, I forget that song, and I'm biking home again, and I write a similar song, and it's not the same. Yep. And then I wake up the next morning, and I've got the first one back again. And it was just like that. Yeah. Um, it was like, well, yeah, I needed deliverance. And so he said, I couldn't handle a beat. I couldn't handle a bass note probably for the next two years. And then one day, one night in my bedroom, he gave me this song. And I, I was so scared when I played it. I thought, oh, my goodness, that is just so rock. You think you're flying high, your head is in the sky, but you know it's a lie because something is missing. Something is missing somewhere. That was the name of the song. Yeah. And I had a band by then, and we performed. We were the whole music thing at a YFC night at the Napier Pools. And when I sang that song, um, there was silence, and then the place just went wild. And I thought, what was that? Yeah. What happened? And I realised over the next few months that um, God had given me back my genre, my generation. Yes. Yep. Um, but it, but I was using it and it wasn't using me. And that's the difference. Yeah. That's what I say to Christians out there who want to make a career of rock music. You need to make sure that you're using the music and it's not using you. Because if it's using you, you're not ministering to anyone. And that's the same with any. It's not just with music, but with anything. With anything. You've got to be, well, You've, the Lord's got to be in charge of it the through Lord, you. And when he gives it back, it's holy. Yeah. And so when, so when Love Song happened in the 1970s, God saved them and their music, yep. scared the living daylights out of the church, but um, brought, gave something back to us for our generation. Yeah, for those that don't know Love Song, which is our generation, um, they actually wrote Little Honda, I think, didn't they? Probably. Back, back before, I think they were the Hondells yeah, before yeah, that they wasn't came. The beach, that wasn't song. the Beach Boys. No. They, they borrowed it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, it's, it, and it is. It's. It's. This is. This is. See, we've found that with so many Christian musicians, uh, and I think to me, sadly, Richie Fiore is probably one of the worst examples of it because you take what he did as a secular musician, and then you look at what he did as a Christian musician, and it's completely different. Well, we had to do a quantum leap backwards into the 1940s when we became Christians in the 1960s. Yeah. And I, I just thought the music was so wet. The night I got saved, I had my best critical spirit on, and I just criticised the music all night. It was They'd taken these well-known songs and put Christian words oh, to I them, know. and the original words were much better. You know, And we did that with Youth for Christ, with Campus Life. We did that for what? Right through to probably the 80s. And that's why I never heard a thing that Ian Grant said, because I had my best critical yeah. spirit on. Yeah. There you go, I'm not listening to this. So, all right, so do, you, you've sung this song, written this song, you're doing this at this uh, Youth for Christ event mm. in Napier. Yes. And then all of a sudden you're with Dave and Dale Garrett. Now, I'm, so, 1972, I'm in Auckland at Bible College. Yep. There's a band waiting for me to join them. My best friend Eric had this band. And um, I remember the first time we met on the beach at Wenderholm, uh, we did the f we we performed the first song. I wrote a song what, called "Full Immersion to... Ocean Water Baptism by yeah, the that Sea." One. <laughs> yeah. we, we did a simple thing from some I think sixty three or sixty something that says, yeah. "Lead me to the rock that is higher than I." 
and uh, we did, it was sort of a country sort of feel. Harmonies were outstanding. That was our first song. And then I started writing for this um, group of people with yep. their voices that came together. We did a whole musical that was performed at the end of the year, and I wrote, I co-wrote 13 songs for that, including an instrumental. And um, so just strength to strength, yep. if you like. But in, in the course of my third year at Bible College, I was introduced to David and Dale Garrett. David rang me at college one day and said, I've, a friend of yours um, mentioned your name and we're doing an album and we wondered if you'd like to help out in the backing vocals. Well, I did one of the songs as well. And that was my introduction to David yeah. and Dale, who proceeded to love on me. As they did. As they, as they did. And David wasn't particularly impressed with the songs I was writing because it was basically Jesus and me stuff. But after I breathed, started breathing their air and what worship to them was all about, I started writing songs that other people uh, could join in on. It was uh, us to God. Yeah. You know, yeah. and... Uh, so now that's a, that's a whole different conversation when we talk about modern songs. But I'm really glad that, particularly out of England, a lot of the church songs that are coming out now are focused at the Lord as opposed to focused at me. Yeah, well, you've got the likes of um, Delirious and, and and stuff doing doing those sort of songs, and they just uh, they're just massive songs. Mm. Um, there's depth. There's there's power in them. The scripture and song stuff was wonderful because they were all portable. You heard the song, you took it home with you. Yeah. And they were basically fairly simple, so either straight scripture or scripture-based. Um, but since then, songs have become more, more complex. But if they're good enough, if there's a happy marriage between the words and music and they stay on point, you can take those home too. Yeah. Or you want to hear them again and again and again. I always used to say with those scripture and songs so in those days of the 70s, uh, if you couldn't sit around the campfire and sing it, don't bring it. Yeah, pretty much. You know, pretty um, much. Yeah. And you stayed up all night singing the song sheet. Yes, yeah. <laughs> so you're now fully immersed into, call it the praise and worship world, uh, into the Christian world. Uh, I know you spent some time with YWAM. Mm. Uh, when was it? But I know now that you have this uh, better understanding of our place as Gentiles with Israel, with the Jewish people, um, because that's that's a lot of what we're about here at Know My Faith is trying to understand that. So when did that start to? That started come also in nineteen nineteen seventy two was a watershed year for Brent Chambers. He's uh, on leave without pay from State Advances. Right, became the Housing Corporation. And I could be on leave without pay for up to two years and they'd find another job for me when I came home. Yep. And they were excited for me going to Bible college. And da 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 da, -da. But um, the, one of the girls in the band, um, we were very fond of each other and I discovered that she was involved in Jewish things and in particular with a couple in Auckland who ran uh, meetings in their home that were very uh, Jewish-oriented and friendly, particularly for elderly Jewish people, particularly mm -hmm. Holocaust um, survivors. And uh, so I started coming along there and uh, I started writing songs, um, mainly out of the Psalms, but with a Hebraic flavour to them. Um, and uh, they, they just uh, stood me in such good stead. Yeah. I all, at the same time, bro, I met a couple, I started going along to uh, synagogue 
Okay. Was, was there a, I mean, it's, sometimes it's hard remembering all that way back because that's 50 odd years ago, but was there any compulsion to become Jewish or any push for you to become? I, I have to confess that um, the main reason why I was interested was, because, was because Ruth was interested. Yeah. But the, here's the thing. That's God, the same reason you got saved. at the, Yeah, you, again, another one. You and, yeah. uh, using their power over me. Um, but, and it, thank you, God. But, um, Better not tell your wife, who was neither of those two girls. She was at Bible College <laughs> at the same time. And uh, I met her on the first day, and that's another story. That's a whole other story. That's a wonderful story. Anyway, still, we're going back to Ruth. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But so um, I'm starting to pursue this, and going along to the uh, Reformed Synagogue in Manukau Road, Yep. under my own steam. Somebody gave me a yalmukha at the door. And then uh, in the course of that evening afterwards, um, this guy came up to me and he said, um, you know, who are you, da-da-da? And I said, I'm actually uh, Brent Chambers. I'm in my third year at Bible College of New Zealand, and I'm doing a project on the Jewish community in New Zealand, and I don't know anything. And he says, oh, I've got books. Uh, and you could come to our place and we can talk about this stuff. And his wife is standing nearby and she's looking daggers at me because I yep. she, she's suspicious of me. Yeah. And rightly so. You're trying to convert us. Because I didn't know why I was there. But anyway, long story short, come, come a Friday night, I'm on my way out to uh, Bleak House Road in uh, Hoek with my guitar on my back on my Honda 100 and I'm praying desperately all the way there in another language I was telling the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth. I know this. Yeah. Because when I got there, after the wonderful dinner, oh, hot, hot, yeah, yeah. caramel wine, et cetera, et cetera. Um, first question, Brent, do you ever, do you believe that God is punishing us because of what happened to Jesus? First That's the question. First question. First question. Bang. Well, you must know the answer because you're at Bible college. I gulped <laughs> and I said, uh, Something like, I think that's the wrong question. I think the right question is John the baptizer, he points to Yeshua, he points to Jesus. I wasn't calling him Yeshua at that stage. He points to Jesus and said, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. So here's my take on this punishment thing. If Jesus came to die for the sins of the world, he came to die for my sins. So I'm as guilty as anyone for putting him on the cross. He came to die for me, so I'm guilty. Yeah. Next question, and I don't know how that was taken. Next question was, do you ever see a time when Christianity and Judaism meet? Wow. Yeah, bang, bang. And I just thought, oh, that's easy. Yeah. Happened already. Jesus, Jesus wasn't a Christian. He was Jewish. He was Jewish. He was totally yeah. Jewish. And um, he, he remained, he, yeah, he was just totally Jewish. And then after that, I um, got out my guitar and I started sharing the, the Hebrew songs with them and Ruth just started to cry. The ones that you'd written? The ones I'd written. Yeah. I just started playing them and Ruth just started crying. John and Ruth, yeah. um, this couple. And next day, I, stayed, I ended up staying the night. And next morning, instead of going to church, we spent the morning taping these songs. Okay. And they basically led themselves to the Lord through the music. Yeah. Led themselves to their they, Messiah. They led themselves to one that they were going to become very familiar with very yeah. soon. Yeah. Mm. So they weren't, they, they didn't become Christians. Not in that sense. No. I remember 
Ruth's saying, you know, since we invited Yeshua, since we became followers of Yeshua, we're more Jewish than ever. That yeah. was her statement. We are more Jewish than ever. Yeah. And her dad, oh, his dad, John's dad, was the president of the Dunedin Synagogue. Okay. But his wife was holding meetings in her home, um, praying for, for Israel and praying for Jewish people. And when John and Ruth went down there just before going to on Aliyah to Israel, 1974, and they spilled the beans that they were following Yeshua, and mum just said, oh, darling, I've loved him for years. <laughs> How did dad feel about that? Oh, here's another little thing. One Saturday night I'm around there and John says, oh, when we were living in Dunedin, we lived next to a couple and they gave us an amplified Old Testament. I'll go and get it for you. And he goes and gets it for me and I open it up and on the flyleaf, all our love, David and Dale. <laughs> and I said, I've just come from their house. They yeah. are my best friends. Yeah. It was a wonderful That's moment. That's God's little sense of humour. And the following it Saturday does. night, we're all having dinner together. Do you, um, how important, I mean, most, if, if I put you in your, in, in your Christian genre, I'll call you a, a songwriter, praise and worship songwriter. Can I do that? Among others, yeah. Um, yeah, okay. Love songs, sorry songs, ridiculous songs. Where does the Jewish side fit in with that? Or does it? The, 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 the understanding of that? I fell in love with the Jewish Jesus. I, and, and if I had a picture of him in my mind, he's got a good tan, he's got brown eyes, uh, he's got brown hair, laughs a lot. Yep. Man of Sorrows is the cross bit. The rest of it, he's having fun with the kids. Have you watched The Chosen? I've watched bits of it, but should, I need to sit down it. for a few it's, hours. It's very good. And, and let it all go, yeah. because what I have seen, I've just thought, at last, Cause, cause, a Jewish Jesus. Yeah, it does the same. It is a Jewish Jesus, and he does laugh. Yeah, he's not a pasty-faced Brit. he's a man of sorrows. You know, or yeah. Johnny Cash did The Gospel Road um, back 1974. That's right. And what he did was wonderful, except that the, the Jesus that he chose was very unfortunate. Looked like a surfer out of California with, yeah. with a sunburnt face and blonde hair. Yeah. You know, that was unfortunate. So, so you don't really, again, terminology is difficult, but we're trying to understand this for ourselves as well. So you don't really know Jesus as much as you know Yeshua. Would that yes. be right? Yes. I, I used to do... Um, mental gymnastics every time we took communion because I've got to turn those little bits of bread, not unleavened, and the grape juice into a, into a feast where yep. there's four cups of wine with names on them and the, they, they all meant something and a serious meal coming down. The last supper was a serious supper. Yeah, yeah. And I was, for, a long, for about three years, I think, I did gymnastics and said, Lord, help, you know, this is not it, but I'll... The main thing is it's about you. I'm remembering you. I got through yeah. by, by that. But for, as for the rest of it, um, suddenly my Christianity is becoming seriously enriched because Christianity is Jewish. Yeah. End of story. Yeah. How, how easy is it to tell people that? Uh, you learn ways. <laughs> I, I wore a Star of David for, for over 20 years. Okay. And it would flush out anybody that was Jewish, and it would also flush out those who had weird ideas about stuff. So the weird ones, Christians, would tell yep. me why I shouldn't be wearing it, and the Jewish ones would always ask me, why are why you wearing, wearing it? it? Yeah. And that was the whole point. I got to explain. I, 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 it was 
God gives me one-liners. I love his one-liners. He speaks to me in one-liners yeah. when he wants to seriously change my direction or, what, or give me understanding. And this particular one is, um, everything that I love in this life is Jewish. My Bible is Jewish. My Messiah is Jewish. And by the way, I'm as Jewish as Abraham. Yeah, that's and they got to think about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. <laughs> and that's that's God's humour because I just loved it when He dropped that on me because it's Abraham, of course, wasn't yeah. Jewish. It may be because of uh, what I'm doing now with Know My Faith or the, the awakening that I've had over the last, call it 15, 20 years. And, and I got to say, when so we went to Israel four years ago. Uh, it was my uh, sabbatical break from the church and spent six weeks there and. Being a musician and a worship leader, the first thing I said to the church when we got back is, we don't have to sing songs in Hebrew. Yeah. And there was this, oh, thank God. I said, we're going to keep singing them in Hebrew because it's, <laughs> it's fun. Yeah, absolutely. You know, but we don't have to, you know. Um, so so for me, it's been a, it's been a journey, and, and I was trying to take the church on that. I think we, we did it reasonably well to, to figure out how we as 21st century Gentile Kiwis worship the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But... I think I'm seeing a little bit more awakening within Christendom to that fact mm. that this 2,000 years of separation, that there seem to be more and more people that are actually awakening to the fact that we have separated. Mm. Yes, there are. And, of course, there are more and more Jewish people discovering that um, uh, Jesus is Jewish. Yeah. More and more, uh, particularly in Israel, in spite of the press and stuff. It's in spite of everything. They've got to stay under the radar most of the time. Yeah. Mm. So what inspires you with your music? Because every time I meet you, you've just written a new song about something. Um, people people you know, oh, look, me, there's a lamp, let me write a song. You know. yeah, no, yeah, people ask me, are you still writing? And I say, I'm still breathing. Yeah. So that's a Jewish way of answering, by the way. Yes. Start another question. And I say, I'm still breathing, therefore I'm writing. That's what I do, that's who I am. Um, when I was 30, I went to a songwriting school in Hawaii, coupled by the name of Jimmy and Carol Owens. Yes. Two-week course. And who's who turned up, Andre Crouch and people like that. It was quite wonderful. And up until then, as a Christian, I was saying, God, um, what do you want me to do with my life? I Please don't send me to Africa. No, please Scott don't send me to Brown. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. But please don't send me to India. I'm 30. Yep. My wife is pregnant with Nathan. I've spent her last dollar to get me to Hawaii. Her last dollar. I didn't have any money. Yeah. I was You're a musician. Just out of um, just out of university, out of Bible College University, and um, I realised after a few days that God had called me to be a songwriter. The thing that I love most, He called me to do. Yeah. And suddenly, all the because the the whisper voice in the back of my mind was not God. You need to prove that you love God, so you need to do the hard thing. You need to do the thing that you don't want to do to prove your love to God. Of course, I don't have to prove my love to God at all. No. I just have to receive his love and love him back. End of story. So I came away from there knowing that he called me to be a songwriter. I, I arrived there with 200 songs. And after three days listening to Carol Owens, I started grading them. <laughs> Up until then, they were all God songs. You can't change a word of them. You can't change a note of them. God yep. gave them God to gave me. this song to me, yes. And so on the basis of that, when I stop um, blaming God for yep. bad songs, bad phraseology and ridiculous stuff, I go through 200 songs. I, the biggest pile, um, these ones are it's now spare parts. It's almost as bad parts. as your records, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, these ones are spare parts. 
These ones can be fixed with quite a bit of work, and two had just been published and recorded. Right. <laughs> two. 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 Yeah. Hey, that's God. That's yeah. Gideon stuff. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, but, but you didn't throw all the rest of them out because, as you said, there's no bits throw nothing there away are... because there's some good stuff in there. It's just that uh, here's Carol Owens again. I was in, I was guilty of being an early settler. Right. I was more in love with the idea of finishing a song than what it looked like. Yeah. And every now and then, something wonderful to happen, and it was a singable song or a, just a powerful song or a great song, but there were a hundred other songs suffering unnecessarily yeah. because I early settled them and they needed work. So this is similar to, um, what does Derek Lynn say, write a bad song every day <clears throat> because you might get a good line out of that bad song and take that good line and put it over there for later. I wrote a song while he was talking one time at uh, Orama, yeah. and I was waiting for him, get on to your next point, mate, because I need to write the next verse. <laughs> and then I got him to, then I got him to uh, play the song while I sang, sang over him, and it okay. was called There's No Rules. There's No Rules. It's about, it was about songwriting. I was at a worship seminar at uh, Elam in Christchurch in the early 90s, and a guy called Stephen Bennett from Australia was, was taking the seminar, and God just gave me this vision while he was talking about Oh, no, so he gave me a song while he was talking about a vision. And he'd actually talked about a number of visions during it. And I said to him afterwards, I said, uh, you know, just at, at the stall at the front, and I said, I said, you know, when you were talking about the, about the vision, God just, just downloaded the song. And he did one of those God things. He gave me these, these weird chords, which I'd never played before. Okay. He gave me the first verse, the second verse, and the chorus. And he goes, there's another verse. So I go, great. Hello? He goes, no, 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 you write that one. <laughs> but, so I said to Stephen, I says, I says, oh, when you were talking about the vision, God just, get, just gave me the song like that. And he goes, which vision? And his wife goes, you know the vision. Everybody gets songs when you talk about that one. <laughs> so, okay. So it's good the way he does it. So, so you're a songwriter, not necessarily a worship leader, because I know you're a worship leader. I love leading worship. I, I love David and Dale's um, philosophy is simple. Lead the people to the Lord so that he can take care of them. Yeah. That's their philosophy behind worship. Not about them, not about their stage persona or any of that stuff. It's let, let the people come to me. I want to bless them. Yeah. So, and that, that's still their, their thing now, and that's been my thing for the longest time. I, I've got a, a one-line, another one-line disclaimer when I go to a new place or a new church or a new bunch of people who don't know me, and I say, a long time ago, the Lord told me, that when I'm with a group of new people, that I'm to worship him, that I'm to concentrate on him, and he would take care of the people. So, beloved, I'm just letting you know right now, I'm going to worship him, and he's going to take care of you. But I'd love you to come with me. Yeah. You know, and the way we go, I get away with anything after that. <laughs> Is there a sense of step out the way after? I mean, I was saying to um, a lady at a church I was ministering at recently, because uh, we were just talking about worship leading and things, and she was very... Um, methodical, got to make sure that this song follows that song musically and lyrically and all of these things, which I, I never do. Don't, I don't, know, don't know if that's a good thing. But, but I said, you know, my favourite times in worship leading is when I just sing the first two words mm. and then I just step, step back and, and play the guitar so that you can worship the Lord. Uh, and it is, it's like you get yourself because Dave Dave said it at a seminar. I don't remember when it was. It might have been the Kingdom Builders one that that Trevor Yaxley organised. You know, these these all a hundred years ago. Um, but he said, if you use your music to worship the Lord during your own private time, 
when you stand in front of the church, you will lead worship. Mm. If you don't use your music to worship the Lord in your own individual time, you will stand up in front of the church and lead music. Mm. Very, very different. Mm. Um, and he said, he said, that is not, which kind of not completely contradicts what you were saying, I hope, but he said, he says, when you're leading worship, that's not your private time mm. of spending time Does that work with what you were saying, or is that opposite to what you were saying about, about, about you know, I'm just going to worship the Lord and if you want to come? I have a job to do. Um, I, my job description is to lead the people to the Lord. Um, and actually when I'm doing that, it pays to keep my eyes open because I'm actually looking for what God's doing in the room yep. as well. And uh, I might get a prophetic word for someone or when I see something attracts me and... Um, before I know it, um, I've got a word for that situation. Um, but I've found that even with the time constraint of, say, 20 minutes, you've got 20 minutes, Brent, that God knows how to stretch seconds yeah. uh, when he's in it, when he's in the moment. And um, I, I encourage other worship leaders and worship teams, um, when, you've got, when you've chosen your songs, you've prayed about your songs, you've chosen the songs, and you start with your first song, be prepared to drop two, three, or four um, because if God is in that moment, you, you, you're not going to be in a hurry to move on. Yeah. And you may find yourself with a new song in that moment. Or you may find that at the end of that song, there's no hurry to go to the second song that you chose. <clears throat> because God is about to drop some words in you that the people are going to need to declare or offer to the Lord. Yeah. You know, And things like that, it's a, it's a facilitation Really, worship leading is a, to facilitate the people to come to the Lord, to bring them in and who they are and what they have with them into that situation. Yeah. That's just another aspect of you, it. Uh, you were talking about Delirious earlier, and I can't remember what song it is, but but there was one of their... I could sing of your love forever. <laughs> Might have been that one, was it? But it was, it was a live event that was recorded. Oh, event without walls. Exactly what you said happened. They, they, they were singing the song... The song stopped, the music continued on, mm. and whoever um, just was singing something, which turned into this amazing... 1994 Webley Stadium. Is that when it was? Uh, um, Worship Without Walls. Yep. Mm. So it's, it's great when God does that. And are you still doing seminars you know, for music teams and things? Not, not so much these days. I, all the way along, I only go where I'm invited. Yep. So invite me. <laughs> well, I don't pastor a church. I did, but I don't, I don't pastor a I don't church have anymore. A, I don't have a card to hand out. Yeah. Um, I love where we are. I love the church that I'm in. Some of the songs that have come come out this year um, just take my breath away. Yeah. And one of them actually has that line in it. When I'm I'm talking about Isaiah, I'm, I'm in Isaiah's shoes, and he's saying, "Holy, holy, holy is is the Lord of heaven's armies." Over and over, the whole earth yep. is full with your glory. And then we get to this point, and it's, it's not a congregational song, but it's a revelation. He's saying, there you were on my darkest day, seated in splendor on your throne, and the sight of you in all your majesty took my breath away. And as I gazed on you in your holiness, all I knew was the depth of my sin. And then you took the coal and touched my lips and washed all my guilt away, so far away. And then back to the chorus, and at the end, so who will go? Who can we send? Here I am, send me. 
and then back to the chorus. Because that's what it's all about. And if we can get to that place in God where where we we recognise who we are, we recognise our sinfulness, we recognise what he or who he is or what he is, mm. what he's done for us, the, the the natural outworking of that is to want to share it with someone else. Well, the order of the order of events for Isaiah are um, holy. He's he's holy. Mm. He's uh, you know, sort of amazing. Um, the whole, he's glorious, yeah, holy, glorious, and then um, on the darkest day, um, seated, he, he's enthroned in heaven. Uh, and then I, as I see all this, I become aware of my sinfulness and the uh, holy sinfulness yeah. happening in the same space, yeah. you know. And God saves me in that situation. He takes the coal and he touches my lips. He washes my guilt away and then, then says, hmm, let's see now. Who will go? <laughs> it's like you, you have to send me. I wonder who will go. You, you know? wrote, um, I think you record, you record an album of, of Hebrew songs? I've, I have a CD of Hebrew songs that hasn't been published. In Hebrew? Uh, oh, no, um, only Eng- English songs about Engli- English Jewish type songs. Right. Yep. Because um, Uri Cohen from Tel Aviv turned up, and he was a recording engineer. And um, I spent an afternoon with my friend Bruce with his four track, and uh, we and he recorded them. Yep. And then another mate of mine in his recording studio enhanced them about uh, three or four years ago, and gave it back to me on a CD. Nice. Took it off a tape and gave it back to me on a CD, and it was better than what we did. As, as they do. Yes, that's so what, that's what sound eight, engineers do. Yeah, so there's eight songs on there, but there's one or two other songs that should be on there um, that I've written since. Okay. You're going to sing a song for us? Yeah, I reckon. What one? <sighs> Who's jumping up and down? I don't know. You've got several here. Yeah, I have. I'll just sing the one that's on the top because it's so simple. I'm not going to sing the verses. I'll just sing the, the chorus because... Uh, this is about God and Israel. It's also about me and Israel. Do you know, I was speaking at a pastor's conference in South India. Um, they inveigled me down there. I was drip-fed information, thought I was going to be teaching on stuff, and it turned out that I was the guest speaker at a pastor's conference. Right. 200 pastors, which having all having cell phones, by the end of the conference, there were 300 pastors there. Others came. And I shared my last message the heavens opened, it absolutely bucketed down. The people had to move into the middle of the buildings. And the bishop turned to me and he said, Brent, it never rains. God is with us. And then I, I, I shared my last thing. I sat down in the front row and I looked back up to the stage area. And the whole three days, there was a whiteboard with a sheet over it. And they took off the sheet. Oh, yeah, but before I sat down... The Lord reminded me of a song that I wrote in 1982 that I'd never sung anywhere, and this is 2012. Right. And I just sang it a cappella to the people. I've loved you with an everlasting love. I've drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again, and you will be rebuilt, O virgin India. Naughty boy. (laughs) But hey, and I sang that twice. Situational ethics. Yeah, that's right. And I sat down, and I looked back up, and they'd taken the sheet off, and there, there was there the scripture. Jeremiah 31.3, there was Jeremiah, 31, 3, I think, is it? There 31, was Jeremiah 31.3 yeah. there in front of me, and I just yeah. thought, wow, God, done it again. Yeah. So you're going to sing that one for us? I'll try. Excellent. 
I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again, and you will be rebuilt. Oh, virgin Israel. I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. I will build you up again, and you will be rebuilt. Oh, virgin Israel. Israel, oh virgin Israel. written your name on the palm of my hand, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. I can never forget you. I have written your name on the palm of my hand, Jerusalem. I have written your name on the palm of my hand, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, Jerusalem. 